I don't know why you do that. I'm just a corporal. <laughs> hey, thank you guys. Thank you, Pastor Dave and uh, Kate. Thank you for uh, Bay City Outreach Centre, your leadership, your hospitality. It's just amazing. Uh, you guys are legends. This church is legendary. You inspired me 14 years ago when I came and visited you. And I saw the passion, your love, your impact in this community. And it's just fantastic. I just thought, if you guys can do this down here in Hastings, then we can do something great there up in Gizzi. And uh, so you have helped inspire us. We believe we're joined, we're connected, and there's a time and a season for all things. And I believe we're in a time and a season of connecting and uh, being part of the kingdom network that God is raising up in Aotearoa to raise up kingdom churches to bring the solutions and the changes for our nation that we need. And so it's great to be amongst uh, like spirit people, uh, warrior people, and uh, well, I could just go on and on and on because the anointing is so strong up there. I could just say, "Simple Simon was a pieman," and people <laughs> might get saved. But uh, I've got work to do. So, um, Musos, you can take a seat now. Thanks very much, and I'll call you up when I need you. And um, revolutionaries in the war zone. I'm a recruiter for Jesus tonight, and I've come here on his behalf to recruit some revolutionaries for the war zone. We're kingdom revolutionaries like your pastors. We're radicals, we're activists, and we're, activi and we're activating the uh, power of the kingdom. You see, the book of Acts is still being written. The book of Acts was called the book of Acts because they acted. They didn't talk. It was not just waha, it was kaha. The problem with a lot of churches is a lot of waha but no kaha. A lot of hooey hooey but not much dewey dewey. And so God is looking for those who will put their kaha with their waha. So the book of Acts is called the book of Acts because they stepped out and they acted out their faith, not just in the, in the church, but in the community. And so the book of Acts is still being written. You know, there's a book of Acts being written about you, the Acts of, of Pastor David, the Acts of Pastor Kate, the Acts of, of our youth pastor here, the Acts of our music team. Those Acts are still being written. You haven't even performed them yet. They're on their way. So uh, I want to talk about what it is to be a revolutionary in the war zone. But before we do... Um, you know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, the wind comes and you don't know where it comes from, you don't know where it goes. You know, God is like, you know, he's invisible. You, you can't see him, but it's, Jesus said he's like the wind. It's like the Spirit goes like the wind. So you, you can't see the wind, can you? What's it look like? Anyone tell me what the wind looks like? Nah. You can't see the wind, but you can feel it. Tell the person next to you, feel it? Feel it. You can feel the wind. You can feel the wind. And Hebrews 1.11 says, pay attention. <laughs> Hebrews 1.11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what you cannot see, of what you cannot see. Now, what does God look like? What does he look like? Well, different things to different people. But you may not be able to see God tonight, but you'll be able to feel him. What does love look like? You can't see what love looks like, but you can feel it. I mean, I look at these kids I look at the way they worship God, I look at the innocence on them, and I just feel aroha. It just oozes out of me. I just feel that. And, you know, when I hold my mukapuna, we've got eight mukals. When I hold my mukapuna and they, they look up at me, I, they, I just feel their love for me, and they feel my love. God's in the room tonight. You may not be able to see him, but you should be, you should be able to feel his love come upon you. The Spirit of God wants, to, he wants you to feel something tonight. He wants you to feel his love. You can't see joy. What's it look like? I don't know, but boy, I know when I feel it. There's spirit of joys in here tonight. Some of you are going to feel it. Some of you haven't had a good laugh for a long time. You need just to take a look in the mirror at yourself. You, know, you, you need to laugh at yourself. You take, don't take yourself so serious. And uh, you can feel joy. You can't 
see peace, but you can feel peace. And the Spirit of God is right here, right now. He's just moving amongst us. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there they are. And the angels are walking among us as well. And some of you are going to feel some supernatural experiences tonight. Some of you will feel this burning heat go up and down the back of your neck as the angels open their wings behind you. Some of you are going to feel oil dripping down upon your forehead, oil on your palms of your hands. Some of you will feel burning heat sensation in your feet and in your hands. Some of you are going to smell a beautiful fragrance like somebody walked by with a, an amazing perfume on as the fragrance of Jesus as he walks by you. Some of you are going to feel a wind blowing upon you, a physical wind blowing in the house as the wind of, of destiny blows across you. God is in the house tonight and his word is always confirmed with signs and wonders and uh, I'm here to recruit people for his kingdom recruit well you're in the kingdom I'm here to recruit people to uh, get out on the streets to take the anointing where it's meant to go to flow into the streets of Hastings into the neighborhoods of Hastings to the north side the the south side the east side the west side to every neighborhood to every suburb this this church is called to have some form of ministry influence and prominence a kingdom prominence in every street and every of every neighborhood of every suburb of Hastings and you're to invade Napier the Hawks Bay yeah so so let's show that DVD as the presence of God just just soothes us it's just nice isn't it it's nice it's better than the sparkle it's a wonderful feeling so let's just show that DVD please the uh, one we showed this morning this is just some of the work we're doing up up the coast there Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. I thought that would touch you. Yeah. Do you enjoy that? Yeah. Want to see it again? The director is Brett Kamal, researched by Dominic Andre. on walkers, war canoes. And as I was hovering over the canoes looking down, the Lord said that the, the canoes are to be filled and that when I was to come to Gisborne that he was going to raise up warriors by his spirit out of the earth. Norm McLeod, a former Omaru freezing worker turned pastor, came to Gisborne in 1990 with a dream that became a vision. The work of the Gisborne Elam Church among former members of the mongrel mob has become something of a phenomenon. You will have been here been with the Lord for four months, I should have done it 40 years ago. <laughs> well, I was gaining nothing out of it, and I saw a lot of hurts. Yeah. You're making some progress now.
I saw the shimmering silver waters of Poverty Bay. Upon the waters were many waka moving into the city. The Spirit of God said to me, You will go to Gisborne and raise up a warrior people who will use Christ's ways to release great blessing upon Tairafati. is starting to take place. The new day is breaking forth in Tairafiti in the lives of thousands of people. just a bit, a bit of a quick look at what some of the stuff we're doing up there and um, there's uh, we're just reaching out to the community in lots of different ways God's given us favor with our community uh, not just with gang members but with all types of people from the children right up through to the old Pakiki we're dealing with and helping everybody we believe we're called to not just bring spiritual blessing but spirit, uh, social and economic reform to our place to our to our society if we're not gonna you know whose job is it to bring community transformation God didn't call the government to do it he hasn't called Sips to do it or, or, or Winds. He hasn't called the police or the justice system to do it. We're the head. We're meant to lead in this. We're meant to be the role models of community transformation. And when your life is, is reformed to the ways of God, and if, I don't care if you've come from a broken life, broken marriage, broken heart, but when you come to Jesus and he restores your broken heart, where, that's where I've come from, broken heart, broken life, broken marriage. But God restored my heart, my life, my marriage, my family, and now as a result, we can help others with broken lives, broken marriages. We are solutions, no longer victims. And so that we're, the, we're the world leaders in community transformation. But we've got to get it out onto the streets. Instead of just here on Sunday and thanking God for it, we've got to be able to take this out to the streets and let people see there's a better way of life than what the world's offering them. Revolutionaries in the war zone. About um, 18 years ago, before, just before we came to Gisborne, uh, we were living in a town called Omru, and five doors down the road, a man walked into this house, and he, 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 was, he saw his wife, and his wife was, ha was having an affair. It's another guy. So he walked in, pulled out a knife about that long, and stabbed her 19 times. Now there was a lady in there that was a church member of our, of, our, of our church, and she ran next door trying to get help. Nobody would help her, so she went back in, and the woman who was stabbed 19 times is still alive. And so she dragged her up to our house, which is five doors up the road, and the doors burst open, and we pulled her in, and I said, where's Steve? He said, he's down there with the children. He's upstairs with the children. So I rang the armed defender squad, I rang the cops, rang the ambulance and so forth. Ambulance came and they took that woman away. And uh, I mean, she just covered our floor with blood, just the smell of hot, warm blood. I'll never forget it. 
and, uh, and so the armed defenders came and so forth. And, and the Lord said to me, he said, get ready. I'm going to send you down there to talk to this man. I says, yeah, Lord, you send your angels ahead of me too. And uh, he says, just get ready. And about an hour later, a policeman came to the door and he says, the, the uh, Maori warden's not getting through to him. He won't listen to the police negotiator. He keeps asking for you. Would you come and see him? I says, I've been waiting for you. Let's go. So we'll walk down into the room. There's about, all oh, 30 cops around the, around the, on the roof with the guns and so forth. Now this guy's upstairs on a, of a narrow stairwell and the police can't get a bead on him. Otherwise, they would have taken him out. But uh, upstairs, next ro- room right next to him, there's his two little girls. One little girl's his own, the other's is, is not his little girl. And so what happened? This man stabbed his wife. He said, if, if I can't have them, no one will have them. So he stabbed his wife 19 times. Then he went into the room next door and cut the, cut the little girl's throat from ear to ear. And she's lying in there in a pool of blood. Sorry about this, kids. But she's lying in there in a pool of blood. And they could hear another girl. And they think she's still alive, but it's the other girl that's, that's making the noises. And so I walk up there, and I, there's blood all over the walls. I mean, literally like murder on Elm Street. There's total, total uh, uh, mayhem. And I look up the stairwell, and there's this guy with a knife about that long, and he's sticking it in and out of his throat. I saw him three times, in and right out of it, right to the hilt, and out of the throat. And I, I, didn't, I didn't think he could live and do that. And he's screaming at the top of his voice. His eyes are rolled to the back of his head, and blood and air are gushing out of his windpipe as he's screaming. He is totally demon-possessed. The poor cop next to me, he just couldn't handle it. He just was dry reaching. He took off. And I'm sitting there looking at him. I says, what do I do, God? You sent me here, but what do I do? He said, speak in tongues and speak loud. Now, in my carnal moment, I think, what, what will these guys think? <laughs> what? He said, if you don't, someone's going to die. So I looked up at him, and he's sticking the knife into his heart now. Three times into his heart, three times into his stomach, he could not die. And, and so, I, what do I do? Speak in tongues. So I looked up. As I spoke in tongues, it hit the demon in him, and his eyes came back, and, and he looked down at me. And then, out of that tongue, I got an interpretation of what that tongue was, and I got wisdom, and I spoke to the man. I spoke to him. I said, Steve, and I spoke things that God gave me. As a result, the, the demon lost its strength in him, and he began to listen. And, I, and then he gets stirred up again. So I'd speak in tongues again, and then give an interpretation. I never knew tongues and interpretation were a spiritual weapon. Did you? Mm. Revolutionaries in the war zone. And so as as I did this, the power of the demon it lost its grip, and he just dropped the knife. So I ran up the stairs and I grabbed him and I hugged him. I tell you what, I still love the guy, even though you know someone said, "What a scum of the earth! What a mongrel!" But man, you know what? Jesus even loves the mongrel. And I just grabbed the guy and I hugged him. Yeah. When we took him to the hospital, he had 20 stab wounds on him, all self-inflicted. I rushed in and found the little girl, and there she is, looking up, she's still alive, ear to ear, blood everywhere, and she's alive. It's like, God, preserve her. Long story short, they all survived. The little girl, uh, that, 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 that night, they had said she'll die. She's got meningitis, she's got blood poisoning, half her side is swollen, she's paralyzed. And so the priest came in and did the last rites over her. When he left, I went in and I prayed over her. And the next morning, I was called down to there. I went in and she's sitting up. She has throat stitched up. She's totally healed. She's drinking a milkshake, reading a book and smiling. That's the power of our God. Revolutionaries in the war zone. Now, the wife, she survived. 
She survived. They said that her jugular was 95% cut through. Another three minutes, she'd be dead. But she survived. And the little girl, she survived. And the man, well, once the police got him, he just, went, he just withdrew him to himself. The demon took over. So I prayed over his clothes. When they put him in prison, I prayed over his clothes. Because Paul prayed over handkerchiefs and, and aprons. And, and people who, who were sick, uh, they would take these handkerchiefs and lay them on them. And the people who were sick out of town that he couldn't come to the meetings, they were healed. Demons left them. And so I did this and prayed over his clothes and got them into the prison and he had to wear them. And three weeks later when I saw him down at Dunedin Raman prison, I went in there. His face is shining. He said, I gave my life to Jesus while I was inside. Oh, revolutionaries in the war zone. Why this gruesome story? Unfortunately, this is the society we're in. Society is getting more and more like a war zone. There's an increase of violence. There's an increase of suicide. There's an increase of dysfunction and despair. And if we don't do something about it, nobody else is going to do it. So God is wanting revolutionaries in the war zone. It was at that point in my life I realized that my destiny was to help rescue people from destruction, just like Jesus. And I find that wherever I go around the nation or the world, I find people, especially young people, who they also want to make a difference. They want to use their lives to rescue people from destruction. Listen, I'm from the baby boom generation. And, um, and unfortunately, we're in charge of the world at the moment. We rule the world. My generation ruled the world economically, socially, and politically. And we haven't made a good job of it, really. We've caused a few wars. And sorry about that, X generation. You're going to have to clean it up. <laughs> sorry about that, Y generation. But we're trying to do something about it for you. We're trying to make some changes so that you're going to inherit something worth inheriting. That you're going to start inheriting churches, kingdom churches that are the head, not the tail. That are able to change the political systems and able to change the education systems and the health system and the justice systems. And break the yoke of poverty and injustice. Not just locally, but globally. Global injustice and global poverty can be turned around just like that. Within a matter of months, if the kingdom system was brought into the earth. And so... I think there's some young people here tonight that would like to make a difference with their lives. Do you like to be a revolutionary in the war zone? Are there any young people here? Three or four of you? Good. For goodness sake, don't be a Hancock hero. How many have seen Hancock? <laughs> uh, some of you are too religious. You need to go and see Hancock. <laughs> Hancock's a black dude, and uh, he's a supernatural hero, and he's like Superman, but only he's a bum, you know, and he, and he drinks whiskey, and he's, he's like a street street walk and he lies on the bench and he gets a call to go and save the world or something and he takes off and he bangs into power poles and by the time he catches the criminals he caused so much damage to public property that the, even the police department said leave us alone he's a, he's, but if he could use his gift to, to you know if he could control himself he's got an amazing gift that could actually help save the world it's all hypothetical but he had a gift that could save the lives of millions of people but he had a stink attitude he had a stink attitude. He was just whatever, whatever this, whatever that, and he was just, you know, just mm, up your nose and with a rubber hose. <laughs> See, here's a guy with a gift, but not the attitude. For goodness sake, don't be a Hancock hero. If you're going to be a revolutionary for Jesus, you make sure you have the character, not just the gifting. Because Moses had a gift, but he didn't have the character. Don't let your gift take you to a place your character can't keep you. And what I'm saying is that Moses had the gift to deliver his people. He had the gift to, to be a, a rescuer of those in destruction. And so, but he didn't have the character. He went and killed an Egyptian. And he had to wait 40 years until he grew up. So just because you've got a gifting, 
It's nothing without the character. You've got to have the character to be able to handle your gifting. If you want to be a revolutionary in the war zone, you want to change the world, make sure you change yourself first. Make sure you let Jesus change your character first so that you're able to carry a gift. You've got integrity and mana, and you've got respect and honor on your life so that people will accept your gift. What's the use of having the gift if you don't have the favor of the people? What's the use of having solutions if the world won't listen to you? All they know is that you're rude. So, well, I can prophesy. Well, I don't care. We just know you're rude and you're late for work. I, I, I can speak in tongues. Well, too bad. We don't care whether you speak in tongues. We just know that you're, you're mean to your wife. Yeah? The world is watching. The world is watching us. But more than that, God is watching us. Hallelujah. Revolutionaries in the war zone. Don't be a Hancock hero. I just had to get that out there. Uh, every year I take uh, rev- young revolutionaries into India. I took my youngest one in last year. He turned 15 when he was overseas in India. And uh, have you looked at that PowerPoint? Can we have a look at my PowerPoints, please? Can we shoot them up there? Thank you. Uh, yeah, just number one, go back. Uh, there's just some of, our, some of our church, our meetings outside. Next one, please. There's our children. We've got, uh, we're sponsoring 100 children for $8 a week. We can provide two meals a day for them, their school uniform, and their full education, plus homework to tuition for $8 a week. So we're changing the lives of, of, of all these kids. And they're not just Christians. They're Muslim, Hindu, and communist kids. Okay, that, that, that guy next to me is the mayor. He's a Hindu. The other guy next to me, he's a Muslim, and he's one of the uh, MPs over the area. And they just love us. They love the house of breakthrough. They love the kingdom of God. And that's my pastor and his wife ne- uh, next to the mayor. Next one, please. Uh, that's the communist leader of the area. The communists kill Christians. They don't only kill them, they do terrible things to Christians. Uh, one, a couple of years ago, one of the pastors was, was uh, basically lured away from his home. They found him a few days later, minus his head, his arms, and his legs. They are just ruthless. They're just deadly over there. And so I went to them and says, listen, we, God wants to help your people. We don't want to fight you. We want to f- uh, uh, work with you and help you. And uh, this guy was very arrogant, very proud until I began to prophesy over him and tell him that Jesus had a plan for his life and that God has called him to help bring a new day for his people. He just dropped his arms. I said, the kingdom of God is about God embracing all peoples of the earth, not just Christians. I'm not here to preach churchianity. I'm here to tell you about a God who's got a kingdom and that his kingdom wants to embrace your people. He just bowed and let me pray for him. Yo, this is a, Christ, this is a Hindu legislator. Again, a very powerful man in Colonel India. He's up there with the, uh, he's one of the top leaders in this area. Uh, go back, please. Hold it back. Hold it back. Yeah, you go. And so this man, when he arrived at one of our meetings, three Prado vans pulled up. All these guys got up with Uzu machine guns, scanned our area, looked around, made sure it was clear, and then called him, and he sat down next to us. I mean, this is heavy duty stuff. I love this. And uh, here's these guys. They're real, real bullets. And uh, this guy's looking around, what's up here? And so I began to prophesy over him, and so I come from the dawning a city that sees the dawn of a new day in all of the earth to tell you God wants you to help bring a new day for your people in India. This guy just melted. I said, you used to be a, he used to be a gang member. When he was eight, his parents were murdered by a political gang. When he got older, he found, he found who they were and he murdered them. And so he ran a, criminal, a political criminal gang. And then he had a change of heart and he became a good man. And now he's, he's in parliament. And, um, and so I said, I hear once upon a time you were a gang member. I was also. He said, here's my badges. And, um, and he began to smile. We began to have a kindred spirit. And I says, but I've had a change also. I'm using my life to be constructive, to be constructive for my people just like you. He just bowed his head. Man, he's let me pray for him right there. He just gave $750 to our church over there to give us a, a sound equipment so we go and preach to the Hindu villages, preach the gospel. 
See, they don't want to hear about churchianity. They don't want to hear about your little church games. They want to hear about the kingdom of God. Okay? I, I love church. Don't get me wrong. Without the house, we haven't got a kingdom to extend. I love the house. I love the church. But I don't like this westernization of the western churchianity crap that we're preaching out there. The world hates it. Jesus hates it. And the devil loves it. Anyway, there we go. Next one, please. Uh, here's a dedication of houses. We built three, uh, six houses for the people over there. We built one for a Muslim family, a communist family, and a Hindu family, all widows. And how often would you see a Hindu minister of housing standing next to a communist leader with a Christian pastor and a Muslim widow and her children? Where do you see that? Only the kingdom of God can do this. Global poverty and ethnic and religious strife can be ended within a matter of months if the church would rise up globally and preach the gospel Jesus came to preach, the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah, we've got to get into heaven, but we've got to bring a bit of heaven to the earth as well. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you very much. So I took my 50, oh, any more? Click, click. Oh, that's the media. Oh, the media hear about this, and they, uh, they, they put me on television, television over there. I said, what do you want me to say? Well, I don't know. So I preached to them the gospel, and they filmed me and showed it to 400,000 people in the area. I said, if only t Television One would do this. Where's close-up? <laughs> they print my articles in the paper about the gospel of the kingdom, that we're here to extend the kingdom of God. They're printing this in Hindu papers. This is crazy. Radicals and revolutionaries in the war zone. Revolutionaries in the war zone. This is where it's at. You'll see more anointing flowing out in the streets than in the church. Generally, I do. I love the anointing in the house. But oh, it's nothing like seeing snotty-nosed little kids running around and, and, and mum coming with a black high and dad wanting to kill her. And you stand and you tell them about Jesus and they break down and weep and they reconcile and you're able to heal them and uffy them and give them some kai. Don't pray for them to get some food. You come and get some kai out of your own cupboard and you give them some kai and you uffy them and they slowly change and they might have four steps forward and three back but sooner or later they break through they find out what Jesus came to give them life and life in abundance. Oh, great anointing of the streets. Is there any more up there? Any more up there? Is that it? That's it. Sweet. Thanks, guys. And so I took this young dude, young 15-year-old, youngest team that we've, youngest member we've taken of the team to India, and he prayed for a young boy who was deaf and dumb, born deaf and dumb, never spoken in his life, couldn't hear. Five minutes after my young revolutionary had prayed for him, this deaf and dumb boy could not just hear, but he started speaking for the first time in his life, and he was speaking words that he never learned. He was saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise... He had never spoken in his life. This is a 15-year-old boy. This is just one of our young revolutionaries. Is there anybody here in this group who would be interested in moving in this sort of power of God? Yeah? Yeah? I've got something to give you. I'm going to pray for everyone who wants it. But you've got to want it. You've got to have more than just a, a desire. You've got to have a hunger. There's a, there, there's a catch. There's a price. Now, the revolution isn't against people. The revolution is against, isn't about breaking laws or decency or justice. The revolution is on, on your local level in your city is against, you, is against youth suicide. It's a revolution against addiction. It's a revolution against depression and ho hopelessness. The revolution on a worldwide scale is against social injustice, global poverty, ethnic and religious conflict. We can change the world. We're called to change the world. And so I'm going to tell you some war zone stories, okay? Uh, uh, not much deep preaching here, just some war zone stories. that are. And um, the kingdom of God comes in power. It comes in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. How many are smelling the fragrance of God here tonight? Yeah, it's beautiful, isn't it? 
If you're smelling it, just breathe in and let it come into your lungs. And that person who's got emphysema in your lungs, you'll smell the fragrance of God come to you. When you smell it, you just sniff it in and your lungs will just get cleaned, just get cleansed like that. You'll just feel a burning as that, that emphysema just clean, cleaned. And uh, ear problems right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the anointing. Some of you are feeling oil dripping on the back of your neck. Who's feeling oil? Like something's dripping on your back. Wave at me. Go, wave. Stand on the seat. Jump up and down. Do something. Okay, there's, someone, there's oil going to be dripping on the back of your neck. And uh, as it drips on your neck, your spine, or your, your spine, you're having trouble with your spine, it just begin to straighten supernaturally. Is that you, bro? Is it you? Well, would you just stand up right there where you are right now? Just lift your hands to God. Uh, Father, I just thank you for the oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Just, Lord, go through my brother's back. Lord, I, I command every disc, every vertebra, uh, discs, vertebra, come into alignment. I command that skeletal system and the sacrum to come into alignment right now. Uh, right now, oh, and through the heart. I don't know what happened to the collarbone as well. The anointing, that oil. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, across your shoulders, bro, you should, yeah, that's what, that's what it is, right across your shoulders. That's his healing presence. And now, some of you will feel a wind blowing on your face, and it's, it's, it's what, what is this? There's, there's no fan on, there's, there's no fan blowing, it's, how many are feeling that? Can't you feel it? Dave's feeling it, because he's at the head of the walker. Mm, he's at the head of the walker, and you're following. But it's a wind of destiny. You want to open your heart and catch the wind of destiny. It'll give you a new momentum. Because some of you have been in the shallows for too long, playing shallow games. Shallow service to this house will not bring you into the deeper things of God. Uh, I wrote it down. I better read it properly. Uh, oh, Jesus. Are you enjoying this? Oh, I'm enjoying you enjoying this. You won't catch fish in the shallow places. Your ministry won't grow by giving shallow service in the house. Launch out and serve by putting your best foot forward. When you serve your church, you serve Christ. Therefore, don't give him second best. Give him the best. Amen? There you go. Okay. Stories of the war zones. <laughs> when I first went to Gisborne, one of the early days, this lady joined the church. She had gang affiliation, gang connections, and um, terrible thing happened. Terrible thing happened. Her little boy... There was a, a fire in her car, and her little boy was burnt alive in this car. Such a, terrific, a terrible death. And, um, and so I, I went up to the house at night, and all the family were gathered. There were hundreds of people. And, um, and oh, man, it was, a horrible, it was a terrible spirit of death and hopelessness over this whole area. Now, she's only a baby Christian, see? And so um, I walk up the pathway, and her sister comes right in my face. What's your God got to say now? I mean, she was had full of hate. Her eyes were just blazing with fire and hatred. And she was in my face. I'm like, oh, God, what do I do? And everyone just glaring at me. Your God, your God, as if God did it. But, uh, you know, he gets the blame for lots of stuff. And, and so I went into the room, and, and there's, there's Janine sitting there by this little coffin. And they had to cover the, the coffin up because the little boy was disfigured. And they, so they had gauze across him. You could see blood coming through. Oh, it was just terrible. It was heartbreaking. And, and, and they were all, you know, groaning and, and, and mourning. I mean, it's, it's a spooky feeling, man. And there are demons floating around the place. And it was just horrible. So what do I do, Jesus? He said, you're a revolutionary in the war zone. This is a war zone. So what do I do? Speak in tongues again. What? He touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. 
Something happened, and now I know you touched me and made me whole. The room is just quiet. And the mother, she's looking, staring at me, and her eyes are ablaze, but it's not hatred anymore. And she's weeping. I said, what's happened? She said, Pastor, when you started singing, Jesus walked through the wall, holding on the hand of my little boy. And he has little gum boots on, his little hat turned around backwards, and he was looking up, talking with Jesus, and they walked right past us. And my little boy turned around and said, I'll see you later, Mum. Wow. Wow. You want to see the power of God? When you're in the war zone, Jesus will back you up. When, when you have nothing else to give but only God, he'll back you up. I mean, I don't like being in the war zone necessarily. He drops me in it. And I've got nothing to do but to call out on God. But you know, I'd never trade those experiences for anything. Revolutionaries in the war zone. I remember when we also went to Gisborne and I hadn't even started church and I was, I was doing a job for the uh, census department going door to door and uh, getting the census forms filled up and you had to fill in how many people had living on your dwelling. Came across a house and this guy had two buildings and he had a whole lot of people living on his dwellings. He's getting money off them and he didn't want to fill in the forms because he'd get dobbed in. I says, I'm not the cops, mate. You just got to do it. If you don't, you get a $50 fine for every person that you don't put on the form. And he was very kind to me at the start, and then he started manifesting. And he started effing me this and eff that and you. And then he started blaspheming the name of God, the name of Christ, the name of Jesus. He said, in my face with this blasphemy, it wasn't a human thing. It was a demonic spirit. And I said, look, mate, I'm just the delivery boy. I'm trying to help you. He said, get the eff off my property. He says, can't I? <laughs> took the forms, went away. Next day, I went back and found his wife. I said, you better fill these in. Otherwise, you're going to get a big fine, eh? Your husband, he went bonkers. So yeah, just do it. Car pie. And um, so about a week later, I'm sitting in my lounge just praying away. And next thing, this, this, this spirit came on me. A depression came on me. I, I'm not a depressed person. This demon just sat on my shoulders, the spirit of depression and fear. And all of a sudden, I just felt so depressed, suicidal. I wanted to just run out the door and run down the road and run away and run. I don't know where I want. I just want to run. I just, this thing was on me. You know? And I spot the demon. I mean, you know, I'm having a good time with God. Next thing, bleh. So I, I knew it wasn't me. It wasn't psychological. It was a demon. Uh, so I prayed, God, what is this? And he, and he showed me the face of this man. It was the man who cursed me. I said, what's he doing? He said, he's cursed you. He's a tohunga. He's cursed you. I said, but <clears throat> I went there to help the man. He says, yeah. You know, I wanted to go around and lay the fivefold ministry on that man. <laughs> I thought, what are you doing, you dog? I've done nothing to you. You're oppressing. I've done, I come to help you. God said, you better bless him. I said, bless him? He said, you bless him. Because if you don't bless them, this curse will stick on you. I've called you to bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and love those who hate you. If you want to be a revolution in the war zone, there's a price. And so, so I says, okay, help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. And I, I pray blessing upon this man. I pray a blessing on your life. I pray blessing on your family. And then the blessing began to flow out of me. And I forgave him and released him. This thing just lifted off me. I forgot about it. Two weeks later, I read about the man's death notice in the paper. He dropped dead on his doorstep. I said, God, I didn't do that. <laughs> I don't say this very often, but he said to me, son, you're a, you're a seed of Abraham. And what I said to Abraham, I say to you, 
Whoever blesses you, I will bless. But whoever curses you, I will curse. Judgment's mine. I'll take care of it. Don't worry. From that point on, I know I'm fully protected in the war zone. Wherever I go, I am on, I've been on my rise where I've been cursed. My wife has sat amongst them and heard them talk about how they want to kill me as I've been preaching the gospel. <laughs> and um, and I've, I've had Tohunga sitting in the crowd sort of manifesting in their seat and they can't get over it because the snake in them won't let them in. And, and I've had them curse me and I felt the curses hit me. But you know what? I feel oil go down my back when they hit me. I said, what is that, God? That feels beautiful. He says, they're cursing you over there. Oh, bring it on. And so I go over there and I say, kia ora. And they go, oh. And so I said, can I bless you? And so I pray blessing over them. And it melts their heart. They feel the love of God. And we, we develop a relationship. I know that I hate people. I love people. Revolutionaries in the war zone. There's some people cursing you. Some people you're having a hard time with. You want to try blessing them. You want to pray, start sowing and investing into those you hate. Invest in your enemy. The value of an enemy. The value of an enemy. We all need an enemy to learn how to rise up and into godly character. There's value in having an enemy. Are these some stories you like? You like these stories? A lady in our church, her sister uh, was about to die. She's up at the hospital. All the family was gathered. She's hooked up on the machine. Beep, 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 beep. They said she'll be dead within a couple of hours. So I went up there. On the way up, the Lord said, she's not going to die. She's going to live. Just grab her ankles and rebuke that spirit of darkness. Okay. So I walked in. Everybody's there. The nurse is watching me. The family's all gathered, weeping and crying. And Kate's uh, lying back there. She's got this oxygen mask on her, on her face. And she'd be like that in a coma for uh, several days. And so, beep, beep, beep. So I walked in, grabbed her ankles, rebuked death. Next thing, the machine goes, beep, 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 beep. The nurse comes running out of the nurse's station. This lady, she just sits up, <gasps> rips off a mask. Hello, Pastor Norm, she said. <laughs> oh, uh, Kiora, sweetie, how you doing? She says, I'm good. I says, you'll be so good tomorrow. You're going to have such an appetite. You're going to have a good kai. But tonight you'll have a good moi and you'll wake up with a good kai and you'll be about out of here by tomorrow. A week later, she walked into our church, gave her life to Jesus. Seven weeks later, she died. (laughs) What's up? The reason why she died is... Her husband was treating her like a mongrel. Her husband was a mongrel. He was beating the crap out of her. And God said, I love her too much. She's not going to put up with it. She's coming home. And he took her home. Took her home. That's, well, it's like that sometimes. Revolutionaries in the war zone. What else? I was doing a meeting in, um, in India. And, and there's a witch sitting in our meeting place. She's a sorceress of the village. So the pastor was standing next to me. And, and, uh, and I saw a little girl. I said, what's wrong with her? She's deaf and dumb. I said, bring her up here. And I prayed for her, and the Lord opened her ears within a split second, and she began to speak and say, Amma, 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 which is mummy in Indian. She'd never spoken in her life. Now, when that happened, the witch saw this. The witch had been praying and trying to stop my meetings, trying to, trying to curse the meeting. She'd actually tried to drag children out of the meeting. I saw it happening. I was going to go and whack her. Oh, man, leave those kids alone. But, you know, protocol. And uh, not physically whack her, you know. I wouldn't do that. And um, she saw... As I said, shut up and sit down in the name of Jesus. It was a demon, and she hit the deck. I mean, she was spinning around like a spinning top, dust everywhere. And I heard her saying something like, out, out, Satan, out, Satan. Now, when she came to, she testified. She's standing next to me. The pastor's here. Okay? She says, uh, the pastor tells me through interpretation. She's a village sorceress. She'd been trying to stop this meeting. She'd been trying to curse these children. She said she's been trying to curse the pastor of this church. 
because, right next to me, because he has left his Hindu faith to become a Christian. The pastor right next to me says, it is me. I am her son. Yeah. And she said, he said, when she saw the power of this God, she realized there's only one God. His name is Jesus. And the demon was trying to kill her. That's why she was saying in English, out Satan, and she can't even speak English. What's up with that? So she hit the deck, woke up going, hallelujah, hallelujah. Gave her life to Jesus and got baptized. She's a sorceress. Revolutionaries in the war zone. Uh, I remember, oh, I love hearing Pastor Dave's experiences over there in Pakistan and the, with, the, with the Muslims. That's incredible. That's amazing. Just the favor that you're getting here. God is opening portholes in the spirit realm. Stargate, mate. This is Kingdom Gate to be able to influence nations. The religious leaders and the political leaders of this nation and of the nations of the earth. And so I was in Fiji taking a meeting with the pastors, teaching them about healing the sick. And um, this guy walks in on crutches, big guy. And uh, they said, he's not a Christian, he, he's a Muslim. I said, oh, cool, let him come. He's sick. I said, no, no, he shouldn't come. This is a, a Christian meeting. I said, shut up, let him come. <laughs> what, are you, what are you learning? We're learning to heal the sick. We're learning to reach the lost. And you won't let a Muslim come and sit in your, in your Christian uh, seminar? What's wrong with you? Religious devil. Anyway, <laughs> so he sat down. I said, sit, sit, friend. We'll pray for you later. He said, so I'm preaching, and as I'm preaching, the Holy Spirit says, stop and tell that man to stand up and walk forward five steps. I said, okay. I said, buddy, stand up, walk forward five steps. Now, the guy could hardly get up, but he does. He, and he, he stagger, stagger. On the fifth step, God said, now rush him. So running up to him, and shakadama, power of God hit him, knocked him over. I thought, oh, I hope I haven't killed him. <laughs> he had pus, he had cancer, the, the pus flowing out of his legs. I mean, he was a mess. It was, so he's lying down there, and, and he's lying on his, he's a big fella. And next thing, he's sitting up. And back down and sitting up and his eyes are popping out like stalks. And he can't control himself. I don't know what's going on. God's doing something. And then, and then he went out. So I left him. And then he came to later on. I got talking to him. He says, Pastor, what happened to me? I says, I don't you tell me. He says, you'll think I'm crazy. I says, no, what happened? He said, I'm lying there and footprint, feet come up next to my head. And as I looked up and there was a man in white. And he said, my name is Jesus. He says, empty the mosques in Fiji. So, wow. He said, Pastor, this man took away 24 years of Islamic teaching just in that moment. He said, Pastor, will God forgive me? I said, yes, he'll forgive you. He even forgives murderers. When I said that, he went out under the power again. So I had to wait for him to get up, wake up again. And, and he says, Are you sure God will forgive me? I said, why, have you killed somebody? He said, yes, 200. He says, I'm a sniper. I'm a mercenary. And I've killed 200 people. And he told me of a story where he parachuted out over Russia to kill a scientist. And, uh, and his parachute didn't open in time. And he hit the ground, broke his leg. But he said, I still fulfilled my mission. I went and assassinated her. But God forgive me for that. I says, yes, God fulfilled, forgave Paul, who was a murderer of the church. God will forgive you. He went out under the power again. That's the love of God. You can't see him, but you can feel him. And this man was feeling the love of God. I'll tell you what, there was a three-day meeting. Three days later, the man's walking without crutches. He walks into our Christian meetings. And his name has been, uh, well, I can't tell you his real identity because of, of security reasons. But this is revolutionaries in the war zone. I can go on and on and on. I'm not giving deep teaching tonight. I'm just giving uh, stories and uh, stories about what God does through willing vessels. And so, how is it thousands of Islamists and radical Hindus and communist activists are ready and willing to die for their cause and the, their vision. How is it? When they don't even have the solution for world peace, and yet they're extremely passionate. 
And here we are as Christians with the solution for world peace, and yet we, do, we lack the same passion. What's up with that? I want to ask you, what are you doing for the next 10 years? I want to challenge you. What are you doing for the next 10 years? <clears throat> Jesus give, gives altar calls for dead people. <laughs> Luke 9, 23. If any man wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For he that finds his life will lose it, but he that loses his life will find it. Jesus gives altar calls for dead people, for people who are willing to die to their will and live for his will. I want to give an altar call soon for dead people, where you're willing to die for your vision, your dream, your plan, and your will. And you say, Lord, I'm alive for your dream, your plan, and your vision, and your will, for not just for my life, but for this church. Jesus said to me, how much do you love Gisborne? This is several years ago. He said, do you love Gisborne enough to die for it? I said, what do you mean? Is this figurative? <laughs> he said, would you lay down your life and spend the rest of your days in Tairawhiti? It means don't think about going to plant a church anywhere else in the world. Because I had aspirations, maybe America, maybe India, Africa, whatever, if Jess wants to come. <laughs> uh, he said, no, no, are you willing to lie down your life for this city, for the people of this city? And my vision, not your dream, my vision, my dream's long-term. Are, are you willing... Are you willing to die for this city and the vision I have for this church? I said, Lord, no. <laughs> Be honest with God, eh? I said, I wish I could say yes, but I haven't really thought about it. No. You know, when God asks you a question, it's not, you know, you've got an option. <laughs> so I had to go, and I, I struggled with God for a few weeks, and I counted what the cost was going to be until I came to that place. I said, yeah, God. I'll die for this, my city. I'll die for Tairawhiti. I will die for the vision you have for my church. Well, your church, this church. <sighs> From that moment on, something came on my life. And a, a mantle, and an ownership of my community, and ownership of the future generations after me, and ownership of God's vision for this church. Oh, you won't, he won't give that to anybody. He only gives it to dead people. So I want to say to you, what are you doing for the next 10 years? If you're going to live for something fight for something and die for something, might as well make it worth living, fighting, and dying for. The greatest thing you could live for, fight for, and die for is Christ's vision for his church and for his kingdom. What are you doing for the next 10 years? You got plans for the next 3, 5, 10 years? What do you want to do in the next 10 years? <laughs> you want to be successful? Well, listen, you're only going to be successful if you help build God his house. Haggai chapter 1, I'm going to read you some scripture here. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, and the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, blah, 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 going down to verse uh, 2. Thus says the Lord of God, saying, This people says the time hasn't come, the time to build the Lord's house. So many Christians neglect building the house of God. They're so busy doing their own ministry, their own thing, that they don't want to give their best to the house of God because they're too busy giving their best to their career, too busy giving their best to their ministry, too busy giving their best to their family, the best to their marriage. But didn't Jesus say, seek ye first the kingdom of God? Seek ye first, or was it second? Did he say, seek ye first your marriage? Seek first your family? I think he said, leave the dead to bury your dead when they say, I want to, I want to stay with my father. He says, well, Katie Pye, you stay there. But as for you fellas, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to, Love me more than your family. You're going to have to love me more than your whānau. You're going to have to love me more than your lands. You're going to have to love me more than your own life if you want to follow me. 
Oh, revolutionaries in the war zone. <laughs> and, and so we read on. Then the word of the Lord came by the Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time to build yourself and to dwell in your house while God's house lies in ruins? Therefore consider your way, says the Lord. You sow much, but you bring little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one's warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them to a bag with holes. Is your Christian walk being like that? The more you sow, the more you give. It's like, God, there's just nothing coming back. Depends what you're given. You only reap what you sow. You give second best, third best, fourth best. That's what you get back. But you give God the best. You get the best back. So he goes on to say, verse 7, um, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go to the mountains and bring some wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but indeed it comes to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Not the devil. Don't blame the devil for stuff that God might be doing in your life. I blew it away. I blew away your success. I blew away your prosperity. I blew it out of the water. <laughs> and he said, why? Now, this is, a, this is a question. Why? Why is this happening to God's people who are called back to Jerusalem to rebuild the house of God and to be successful? Why are they in poverty? Why are they suffering dysfunction and despair and hopelessness? And why today in the house of, why today are so many Christians in this nation not experiencing the prophecies of God, not experiencing the, the open heaven and the, and the reign of blessing and the, and the increase in their life? Why so many churches not experiencing this? Well, Jesus says, well, the word of God says, thus says the Lord, because my house lies in ruins while everyone's running around building their own house. Therefore, the heavens have withheld the dew and the earth withholds its fruit. You can pray and pray for revival all you like. But if you only give the house second best, you're not going to have revival. You're not going to see the doors of heaven open. You're not going to see revival in the streets. You'll see nothing. Because he goes on to say, For I will call a drought on the land and on the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, on the oil, and whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock, and all the labor of your hands. So when God gave me that, I thought, whoa, I want to be successful. I want my people to be successful. He says, they'll only be successful if they seek first my kingdom and start building my house according to the pattern. Because the house extends the kingdom. Don't you be out there trying to extend God's kingdom and you're not even planted in the house of God. You're not extending God's kingdom. You're extending your kingdom. Because the house extends the kingdom. The kingdom doesn't extend the house. Christians, you've got to understand church government. Did we church government teaching? Yeah, I think I should. Remember Abraham? You're old. <laughs> yeah, we read about Abraham. Okay. Abraham. He had a son, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. You with me? 12 sons. Say 12 sons. Okay. Now, to be part of that family, you had to be born into it. You had to be a Jew. You had to be born into Abraham's family. Twelve sons. Out of the twelve sons in Egypt, they grew over 430 years. When they left Egypt, they were a great nation called Israel. Say Israel. Okay. And so they came into Canaan. This is fast forward. They came into Canaan. They invaded Canaan, and they established the kingdom of Israel. Say kingdom. Okay. So they became a family, a house first. Yeah? And then they established a kingdom. House first, kingdom second. Okay, so that's Old Testament pastor. No, it's New Testament too. Jesus comes. One man. He has 12 disciples. To get into that family, you've got to be born. You've got to be born again. And so the 12 apostles are the foundation of the house of God, of the church. Yeah? 
And in the day of Pentecost, 120 and waiting up in the upper room, the Holy Ghost comes upon them. The church is birthed. The house of God is birthed in a way never seen before. Now, from that point, the house of God begins to extend the kingdom of God throughout the earth. House extends kingdom. Listen, Psalm 92.13 says, They that are planted in the house will prosper, and they will flourish in the courts of their God. If you're not planted in the house of God, if you're not helping build the house of God and extend His kingdom, you are not going to flourish and prosper as a Christian. I'm telling you, I'm not even being a prophet. I'm just speaking what the Word of God says. And therefore... I want to bring blessing to this house, and I want to uh, release a message of blessing and release for you, that God wants to prosper. He wants to open the windows of heaven over you. He wants to give you money that doesn't get, you don't put it in a, hole, a pocket with holes. He wants to give you the dew of heaven. He wants to give the oil and the wine. He wants to bless and prosper you, your marriage, your family, your business. He wants to prosper you, but he says, seek ye first the kingdom. And my righteousness, meaning first, help build my house. Don't moan about how dysfunctional the church is and do something about it and make it a great church. So many Christians moan, I got hurt by the church and I'm not ever going back. I said, well, take a ticket and join the queue. And you can spend the rest of your life moaning about what the church isn't doing or should be doing, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Or you can get off your butt and be an agent of change and, and make a difference yourself. Amen. Revolutionaries in the war zone. This feels like a bit of a fruit salad message, but never mind. Acts 1.8 is, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be a witness for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the animost parts of the earth. You shall receive power. I carry power on my life. I carry dunamis and exousia. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> you carry dunamis. Dynamis is this miracle, supernatural power of God to operate in the supernatural uh, healings and casting out of devils and it's the supernatural gifts of God. Amen? You know the 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit and the supernatural power that operates through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's called power. Okay? But you've got to have permission. Exousia means authority. Behold, I give you authority to go into all the nations of the earth. Now, most of us think he's talking to us as Christians. But if you look in the scriptures and the context of who Jesus is speaking to, who is he speaking to? He's not speaking to all the Christians. He's speaking to the apostles. And he's giving apostles authority, apostolic authority, to break open the nations. Okay? And so they've got authority and power. And they can delegate authority over the people in the house of God. And they can send out God's people under apostolic anointing. You are so blessed. You've got an apostle leading this church. Apostle Mike, he's a legend in the nation and he's a legend in the earth. God is using that man. He's got an incredible mantle on him. And so because of that mantle, he's got exousia. He's also got exousia to send you forth with great dimensions of, of, of dunamis, with authority, with, with power. Now, don't try to use your power out there without without exousia over you. You've got to get permission to use your power. Because I've seen too many Christians go out there try to cast out devils outside of, of, of working in a godly structure. I mean, I had a guy, and he was living with his missus. He wasn't married yet, but he loved Jesus, got born again, and uh, he had a gift of casting out devils. He could discern them. He could pray for miracles. And what happened? I said, you can pray for people to get saved, but until you get married, don't try and cast demons out of humans. And he is proud. He says, no, no, who are you? I says, well, you're only two years old, not even a year old in the Lord, buddy. Listen to me. If you're going to be part of my house, the house of God here, you don't have permission to do that. Only my warriors do. they got character. You don't. I'm trying to protect you, son. He says, oh, whatever. And he prayed for a woman while I was out of town, a woman who had a stroke. When he laid hands upon her, the demon jumped out of her and got into him. And went down. He, he was paralyzed in this, uh, what, this left side. He literally crawled home. And he was laid up in his bedroom for two weeks while I was out of town. 
and compassionate Pastor Norm came. I went into the room. I told you so. <laughs> hey, everyone, listen. So I'll pray for you. So maybe God will heal you. Maybe he won't. And he did heal him after a few weeks. And so he was a man operating illegally in the power of God. Jesus says, just because you call me Lord, Lord, we've done miracles, we've cast out demons, we've prophesied in your Don't call me Lord. He says, I never knew you. Okay, you've got to use your authority. You're going to be a revolution. You've got to use your, authority, your power, but under authority. Don't be out there trying to ex- extend the kingdom of God. You're not even part of the house of God. Okay? I'm probably only speaking to one person here because you're all on fire. Yeah. So in closing, what capacity are you serving God right now? Are you worthy to be a revolutionary for the king and the cause of his kingdom? What capacity are you serving God today? Are you giving your best or your second best or your third best? If you're only giving 30%, that's why 70% of your life is miserable. You give 100%. So I can't give 100%. Yes, you can. Don't let the world lie to you. Don't let the devil lie to you. You can't give your best. We're to love God with all our heart. Not some of our heart, all of our heart. God would never command you to do something you can't do. Amen. My mokul, my is only 10. He can't lift a, a, a 100 kg weight. I would never expect that of my mokul. And God will never expect me or you to lift something we can't carry. My burden's light. My yoke's easy. He says, you love me with all your heart. You give your 100% best every day of the week. You try it and you see what happens. Just one day at a time. You'll experience an anointing of God on your life. Hey, I can give my best. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Greater is he within you than he that's in this world. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Hallelujah. He's anointed you with, with power. He's anointed you with, with takeover. So walk in the power of God. So what are you going to do for the next 10 years? I suggest you get planted in this house and that you build it. And you build it to be what God wants it to be. Because Hastings and Napier is depending upon you to fulfill the call of God. People are waiting in the streets for you. There are people banged up in hospital right now waiting for you. There are people who are about to, to die who are waiting for you. There are people with cancers who are waiting for you to pray for them so that cancer will dissolve. There are people in our church who should have been dead 10, uh, 15 years ago. They're still alive. There's a lady in our church who had a heart attack. A couple of them, actually. I said, you want the ambulance or Jesus? She said, Jesus. I prayed for her. I said, you better go and see the ambulance. She said, no, Jesus. All yellow skin, death on her. And at the end of the worship time, she's totally, she's totally just healed. I said, go and get checked out. She got checked out about a week later. The doctor said, something's happened to you, but there's nothing wrong with your heart now. Wow. So, uh, altar call. Altar call. Are there dead people here this night? What are you doing for the next 10 years? I know Christians aren't used to even looking, they can't even look past the next day. But I'm calling you, what are you doing for the next 10 years? You better think about this. Because you know what, I'm looking forward to the next 1,000 years. And the next 1,000 years, when Christ comes and rules on the earth, some of us are called to rule over the nations of the earth. So I'm learning to rule over my life. I'm ru- learning to rule over my little area of my nation now so that I can help Jesus and his 1,000-year reign on the earth. You've got to get some training in now. The next 10 years is nothing to compare to the next 1,000 years. What are you doing in the next 10 years? What are you doing in the next 10 years? Where do you want to be in the next 3 to 5 years financially, in your marriage, in your family? In your, where do you want to be? Think beyond it. Where do you want this church to be? Do you want it to be a city, a light on the hill? Do you want it to be the church that is, changes the entire Hawke's Bay area? Because we've got Tairar Fiti hooked up already. But you want to change the whole Tairar Fiti, Wairarapa? You want to do that? 